Welcome back to Healthy Perspectives, a podcast dedicated to patients, healthcare, innovation, and technology. I'm Martin Kirtan. And I'm Angelica Kubitschko. And we're your hosts. Today we're talking about podcasts. If you're listening to this episode, you obviously have some interest in podcasts. But how could they work for you? And how could they help you reach your audience? We've invited Steph Parker, who leads innovation at Patients and Purpose, to find out why podcasts are not only more important than ever, but also how we can unleash their full potential. We're so glad you could join us, Steph. And I think our first sort of question, obviously people are currently listening to a podcast if they're listening to this podcast. Um, but what don't people know about podcasts? You know, why do we think podcasts might actually be more relevant now than perhaps they have ever been before? So one thing that even surprised me that I was looking up for a recent client presentation is that podcasts are almost 20 years old as a format. They kind of surfaced around 2004. Wow. And I think we all take for granted that they exist and there's this perception that, oh, well, podcasts, you know, do people even really pay attention? Younger generations certainly must not care. And Angelica and I were actually looking at a report that Spotify did. It's called their Culture Next Report a few weeks ago. And Gen Z has a huge uptake of podcasts, which I think speaks to the fact that it is a medium that people feel like suits their lifestyle, helps them find the right type of content, but also speaks to the fact that long form isn't dead. I think we also tend to assume that because digital has been so prevalent, it's just killed off any desire for people to pay attention to something for more than a few seconds. But uh, Gen Z in particular loves podcasts because they see it as a way for self-expression. They also turn to it for mental health support. And pretty much every generation is listening. We, we know that baby boomers, Gen X, millennials power a lot of listening, but even Gen Alpha, millennials kids now have podcasts in the classroom. A lot of teachers are using them as learning aids. So I think it's just a, a wealth of untapped potential that we forget about because they've been around for such a long time. Do we have any sense of just how much people are listening to podcasts? Like, is this, is this just every now and again, or are people actually kind of building it into their, their routine? every day. I More often than not, people are listening to podcasts, at least on a weekly basis. People who subscribe on the podcast level are a little bit more loyal in terms of listening than when we think about subscribing to a YouTube channel. You have your diehard fans who watch YouTube videos, but maybe not everyone else. If people are going to commit to subscribing to a podcast, people are usually engaging with podcasts for at least a couple hours a week. And I think the real benefit that we also see play out in the data is that people tend to listen to podcasts more outside of the home than when they're in the home. So people are taking them on the go. They're listening to them in the car. Now the commuting is back for a lot of people. They're bringing them on the train. They're bringing them to the gym. So it's truly a portable format that people can switch up activities and still pay attention to. It's pretty cool too, because most of the time you, I mean, I feel like all the time, right? You opt into and choose to set aside some time to listen into this podcast. So you have this like really engaged audience. Like I just think about personally when I'm using it, I, I want to hear, you know, this kind of um, point of view from just a couple people, maybe a couple experts or a couple people that I identify with, but it is like very engaging. Yeah, totally. And I think 
while the pandemic is kind of a, a evil word for many of us now, the benefits on technology have been huge. And podcast adoption surged in 2020 because people felt like they had exhausted everything on Netflix. They had read everything on the internet and they wanted to find new fresh programming. So that almost kind of breathed new life into something that was already very active, but has become a renewed habit for a lot of people. You mentioned earlier about uh, leaning into and using it for kind of mental health in that uh, kind of space too. I think that's pretty exciting. Uh, I guess jumping ahead a little bit, but just thinking about, you know, uh, marketing within healthcare and this idea of like, not just around mental health, but every patient uh, has to go through this mental health experience in addition to the condition that they have. Um, So I can see in particular, I think you had mentioned Gen Z already, but uh, I think it's broadly across all patients too. It's so important. Yeah. And it's, it's almost like podcast mimics a lot of search behavior. People will listen to things that they wouldn't necessarily talk about with other people. It's very personal to them. They'll kind of express their greatest anxieties through a topic that they choose or a listener that they choose or a, a creator that they choose. So I like it because I think when we think about healthcare, it's already deeply personal. Like you were saying, it's deeply emotional. We have people's captive attention and we are able to support them in a way that feels right for them. And, and do you feel, I, I guess, given that, given that it's sort of, it's this intimate thing where people are really engaging and giving, I'm just trying to think, it, it sounds like that would make it a really good um, medium for telling stories. Yeah. Oh, yeah. About people's experiences, patients, caregivers. Yeah, 100%. I think you see some podcasts that are just purely educational and it's someone explaining a topic, but the podcasts that tend to do the best are the ones that are like this. It's conversational, you have back and forth, you have someone sharing an anecdote or an experience that they've experienced personally. I think we all know the power of patient stories when someone is watching a video or even just reading a post from someone on, say, Reddit, but if you are hearing someone and you hear their emotion, and they're talking about an experience that you've also gone through, I think it can make disease less lonely, which is, of course, an element of every diagnosis, no matter what that disease state is. That's, um, it, you know, the the words that you're using, it kind of leans me into this thought that, like, it comes off uh, so real, so authentic, and also, I mean, obviously, we're chit-chatting right now and having a conversation, but via podcast feels conversational. And uh, I think it's a very Mm -hmm. unique space, you know, when you think about especially pharma um, and how we have to be very conscious of, you know, being uh, not stretching ourselves too far sometimes or just being in this very controlled space. Um, So it's a different way to come off very authentically. Yeah, definitely. And there there are a lot of different ways that pharma brands can participate in podcasting. I think podcasting feels like it's always a very expensive, time-consuming undertaking. But if you don't want to produce your own show, which also is not as much of a beast as it feels like, you can have an expert or a patient join somebody else's podcast, and you can either help them walk through the content you want them to speak about in the show, or you can sponsor an an episode that the creator is just programming that fits into something that's important to your brand. So there are a lot more ways in than seem available on the surface. Um, But as well as telling stories, it's interesting if people are able to sort of pay attention for a longer time for longer form content, I suppose even, you know, we deal with different audiences, we deal with patients, but we also deal with, you know, a healthcare provider audience. And I just wondered, you know, is it also a good place to sort of share information that way? 100%. There is a lot of data that's from the last two years that shows that in addition to medical journals, a lot of practitioners across 
specialisms and just general medicine are tuning into podcasts as a way to find out about developments in certain disease areas, to find out about scientific breakthroughs, to learn a little bit more about treatments. And it is something that is now being discussed at almost every medical Congress. Some of these Congresses are starting their own podcasts to extend the programming to people who aren't attending. Other people are promoting their podcasts by doing special episodes. So it is an area in healthcare that I think is seeing a surge in growth that is really important for thought leadership, for education, for us to even just break down some things that may be confusing for certain healthcare providers if they're not a specialist, but they might be the first line of, of diagnosis with a patient. They can get a sense of confidence by listening to an episode that might be harder if they're just Googling something or reading a really complex publication. So it sounds like um, all of these are really laddering up into kind of those larger marketing goals, whether we're talking to HCPs, whether we're talking to patients regardless, um, and whether we want to do an unbranded or a branded conversation, we can kind of think about what those strategic imperatives are for the year uh, and see like, well, where might a more authentic conversation fit in, whether, you know, we're talking about education about how something works, whether we just want to improve perception or just, you know, get some awareness out there, whether it's about, you know, a piece of the condition or the brand itself. It feels like there's a lot of different ways and in different types of marketing goals that we can address with a podcast. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's it's nice that you have such a large base for an audience, but also a captive base. That's something that I think different digital channels may struggle with depending on who the patient population is, because there's often so much else going on. But I think the the way that the brain works lends itself well to podcasting because even if the information is something that you're just exposed to, you could think about it the next day and recall something that you heard and then just go off in your own head, continuing to think about it and continuing to engage in the conversation. So I love it personally. That makes me think of what you said earlier, that it's like still bouncing around in my head, but this idea that the way we search uh, is different in the sense that like it's more natural, like more of that spontaneous piece of it. Like when you used to flip through a magazine, right? And there'd be like articles in there you weren't expecting similarly, right? Like you flip through podcasts and you don't know what is actually going to be in there versus the very pointed search in Google, right? So I, I love that spontaneity piece of it. Yeah. And you know what? The magazine example is almost a nice proxy because the same way that we're used to having publishing houses where, you know, Hearst had all of these publications that we would read and still read, not to talk about them in the past tense, that we still read. A lot of publishers of podcasts are now their own media brands that house several different shows. So if you find something that you think is really interesting in one vein, it chances are the media company is offering other programming. So it's almost become this nice network of, if you're a brand exploring a partnership, chances are many of these larger podcast creators have a show or a vertical that makes sense for you to plug into. Do you, do you think that gives people opportunities because podcasts that have a built-in audience, maybe a fairly large audience, you know, there's sponsorship opportunities. You can also advertise on podcasts. I just wondered how you felt if, if those like other other routes than just making your own podcast. Yeah, those two are, I'd say, probably more common in many instances for brands to at least get their feet wet in podcasting before they go off and, and feel so confident that they want to create their own show. And the unique phenomenon in podcasts that I don't know if we can say in many other channels is that the sponsorship piece is no less valuable than having a guest because more listeners 
listen to ads on podcasts, then if you or I are watching TV, chances are we either fast forward through a commercial or we may pause it. And it's not that we're not seeing it. It's not that TV isn't important, but we have a little bit more of a, oh, that's an ad. That's not part of our programming. Where in podcasts, most of the time, the host is delivering an ad in a native style that feels like it's part of the show. So you're listening and you're still listening and you're listening to an entire ad and you haven't opted out of that experience, even though you could skip it within your app. And there's also some data that shows that more people who listen to podcast ads then go off to take an action than they do in other channels. So I think the engagement is high. I think the opportunity for brands to plug in however they feel comfortable. And of course, with all of the regulations in place, they are able to participate. It's not as exclusive as it might feel. Yeah, so it's interesting. If, if you're recording a podcast, I'm just wondering how people can actually measure the impact of it because... You know, it might seem at first glance a little bit intangible. How do you know what the response is and if it's being effective and if you're, you know, if you're getting an ROI from it? Yeah, it's a great question. And I think it's one that's obviously important for us to make sure we're thinking about because marketing is great when it's actually influencing a business outcome. And podcast analytics have come a long way from where they were when podcasts first appeared. You can now look at all of the listener data to see when people are tuning in, when they may be dropping off from an episode. You can see where they come from. You can see which platform they're listening from. You can see how many subscribers you have versus how many listeners, which is important because you might want to know if somebody is just tuning in because they love the creator or especially if you're a brand who might be sponsoring a specific episode or putting a KOL on an episode, if you got a lot of listeners who tuned into that podcast, maybe for the first time because they thought the content was compelling. So you really get a better sense of engagement than just, oh, this podcast was downloaded X amount of times, which is still useful, but you know what people are doing. And you can also, in the description of any episode, include tracked links. So one of our best practices for brands that are doing a podcast like this is to always make sure they include some sort of URL to drive people to for more information. So if you were a brand using a podcast episode to try and drum up website traffic to a particular resource, you could put a tracked link in the description and then see not just how people engaged with the episode, but how that episode then drove traffic to owned channels, which is huge. In terms of length and how long a podcast should be, are there any sort of sweet spots? Is there like a, an ideal length or like might that depend on the kind of podcast? I'm just, just interested about lengthwise how that, how that plays out. Yeah, there is... A general rule where you want to keep your podcast episode at or under an hour, of course, to your point, it flexes depending on the topic. Things that are a little bit more scientific may get that 45 to 60 minute episode, whereas things that are a little bit more quick hit or current event might be a little bit shorter. I think you tend to see the highest amount of listenership around that 15 to 30 minute mark because people have enough time that they can carve out to quickly consume something or to take something with them and then it ends by the time they've transitioned into their next activity. So it is still longer form than other forms of digital media, but you will be very hard pressed to find a three hour podcast out there anywhere. Steph, uh, not to put you on the spot, but like favorite podcasts, whether they're farmer or not, do you have some that are uh, top of mind, whether it's like the whole episode or if it's the whole podcast, you know, whatever you think? So I will get the industry example out of the way early because my podcast habits otherwise are uh, rather, rather bad. 
I listen to a lot of housewives podcasts, <laughs> so that's that's the vein that I exist that's, in. That's that's the genre. I didn't really that's <laughs> Well, there is a podcast for everything, Martin, including lowbrow reality television, which I absolutely love. Uh so I subscribe to that. Part two of the podcast. The, the real podcast <laughs> in New York. Yeah, we'll do the the real the real medical pod I don't even know. I'm clearly not the creative who should be working on this. The podcast that stands out to me from an industry perspective. Johnson and Johnson has a podcast. It's just called Johnson and Johnson innovation. And they use it obviously for thought leadership to bolster all of the innovations within their science and medical technology. But it comes across a lot, I would say gentler than traditional thought leadership, because I think sometimes press releases can kind of hit you over the head with, yes, okay, we have it. We have your boilerplate. We see this big thing you've been working on. And we all kind of know what a press release's purpose is. When you are hearing someone who worked on something, who is passionate about their work, describe it to you, it just starts to make you feel really positive about the brand. So I think Johnson & Johnson does an excellent job of showing how you can break down medical topics into something digestible that also helps position your brand in a certain light. There are also a lot of general disease state podcasts that are attached to different conferences that do a really nice job of recapping things that can sometimes feel like it's gone for days and I don't even remember what we talked about. They can make it a little bit more bite-sized. And I think that's important when we're thinking about engaging HCPs in particular because they're very busy. And so if we get 10 minutes with them where we can give them something that they can take on the go wherever they are, it's going to be more likely that they remember that than something we're just sticking somewhere in their day when they're not really able to commit that attention and time. I think that also applies to patients as well. I mean, you know, patients are living their real lives too, and they're also busy in, in different ways. So whether things need to be digestible time-wise, or we're always talking about health literacy as well and how important that is, like the idea of simplifying it too, um, I think that's relevant to, to whatever type of mark you're speaking to, but it's such a great point. Yeah. And, you know, because innovation's in my job title, I have to think about innovation for podcasts too. And it's an old format. We think, okay, great. You just have a conversation and that's how it works. But there are a lot of things happening in the pop culture vein that I think we can start to draw inspiration from in healthcare. It has become an increasingly popular trend for celebrities of shows that millennials love, because we all know millennials are the nostalgia generation. They are now doing these rewatch podcasts where you hear them talking to you as they're rewatching an episode about what was going on, how they might have approached the character. And so it's almost kind of reinventing the format in a slightly different way. It's still conversational. It's still interesting, but it's reimagining something that's already been done. So I have to wonder through a healthcare lens if there are ways that you can use Congress programming to do that. If you can use some sort of webinar you may have given and then revisit it. If you use annual trends in some sort of way where you're constantly building on the conversation and looking at where you thought you were going to be at the beginning of the year in science and where you ended up with all of the research once the studies were done. I think there's a lot more you can do than just have a conversation that's really great, which of course, is the number one format podcasts take. But innovation can apply to format. It doesn't always have to be the technology. Yeah, I, I love the idea of sort of like sort of reaction podcasts as a kind of 
yeah and that, and that seems to me that's also like it's it's another way if it's all about engaging with the the host in that sort of intimate way it feels like you're in it with them if you're re-listening to something and going over something with them that you perhaps heard before so i, I think that's that's a that's a great idea yeah and are there any i mean i, I know you were mentioning your great love for uh housewife podcast <laughs> but any other sort of <laughs> any other genres or, or, or programs or um producers i guess that you, we, we could maybe learn from even if they're outside of the pharma space there is a marketing podcast called yeah that's probably an ad uh, Adweek puts it on. They dissect different campaigns from brands. It exists mostly outside of the healthcare space, but I think it's important to listen to just to know generally what's going on in all of our industries as marketers, but also to draw inspiration from brands that maybe don't always have as many constraints as we have because we can start to think about this is what they did that's possible. Why did it matter to the audience? I think the biggest thing we always have to keep in mind that we all know as healthcare marketers is that we may be speaking to people as patients, but they're also full human beings who are more than their condition. So if we can pay attention to how other brands are marketing different things to them, I think it helps us get a lot smarter about how, how we approach it. So that's a good one. NPR has a ton of amazing podcasts, as does Harvard Business Review. They're a little bit more in that kind of heady career space. I feel like they offset my housewives' habits pretty nicely. I get I get the intellectual stuff and then the horrible stuff all at the same time. Now I'm a huge fan of TED Talks, probably for the same reason too. But um, I, it's so you know what you just said really rings uh, true for me for so many reasons, particularly like with humanizing the patient like that just makes my heart sing. But this idea, I feel like pharma is, you know, evolving, pharma marketing is evolving. And, you know, despite being in this like kind of controlled space, you know, we can't avoid that and we have to acknowledge and respect it. But are there ways that we can evolve to think about, you know, the patients kind of in that more human sense and kind of continue to push there and explore that through looking at inspiration from other um, other categories. So I, I love that idea. Yeah, and I, I think it's also, this, this Angelica kind of goes back to something we were talking about this morning with empathy and how important empathy is. I think there's something that you just can't get through other mediums other than maybe TV or video and podcasts where you truly are connecting with someone based on an emotional appeal. And that's huge when we think about people as people. So I love that. Yeah, no, especially like to, I can't remember which one of you guys said it, but you know, literally when you're listening to a podcast, you feel you're like you're in the room with them, you're on the journey with them. So mm -hmm. uh, I love it. <laughs> one thing I think maybe we, we haven't touched on, so I, I think it's great, you know, we, we've, we've talked through the kind of the special connection you can get through a podcast. Um, but I guess bringing it back to more sort of brass tacks of, you know, obviously in terms of a medium, it has the advantage that, you know, relatively the production costs are quite low. Um, and I also just wondered, you know, how else can you can you leverage it? So, you know, like what's what's a good way to promote a podcast? And is there anything you can do with the content from a podcast that might work in in other channels? Yeah, absolutely. So podcasts are most commonly promoted across social, regardless of vertical, simply because when you have a creator or a host, they're an individual. And when an individual is talking about something they've just done, social is the best channel for that. So you'll see a lot of either organic social posting and also paid social posting that's promoting an episode. And a lot of these will cross any platform. People can even promote these on Instagram where, and I'm sure a lot of people have seen this, you see almost the moving soundbite that's a graphic on Instagram and you hear a little clip of the show. That's a nice way to do a teaser. 
you can also and should also embed any episodes that you have into your website so that someone just becomes exposed to it when they're looking at other information. And all of the big platforms, Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts give you a very easy ability to just take some code from a player and put it onto your website. You don't have to build anything special. You don't have to worry about constantly updating it every time you publish a new show. So making sure you have it there is also good. And thinking about leveraging anything you have in your CRM can take people who are already very engaged with your brand and have a relationship and then you just deliver them another format of content. So email, social, and your website, three easy boxes to check. Something that, I don't know if this is worth including. Something just occurred to me that um, I'm just wondering if there are now an audience that is familiar with the term podcast but wouldn't know what an iPod was. I think it's starting to happen. I So I teach outside of my my agency life, and I always use this proxy for digital marketing. Why do you think Netflix outlasted Blockbuster? And I had my first students this year say to me, what is Blockbuster? So (laughs) I think it's probably fair to say, I know it made me feel very old, but I think it is fair to say, just like the save icon being a floppy disk, and, and there are probably many people who do not know what that is. You also don't realize that podcast is really the thought child, the brainchild of Apple. They are the ones who gave us the gift. And while we still have platforms like Spotify that have turned into our one-stop shop for audio now, the podcast will always be attached to the iPod. It's a nice uh, uh, nice reminder of, of where we are and how far we've come. Thanks, Steph. Uh, but also a really great fun fact. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, gosh, um, Steph, want to say thank you so much for joining us on our, our little podcast here. It has been uh, such a pleasure. And I feel like I've learned a lot of things I didn't know about podcasts. Um, so, so excited that you were able to, to hop on board. Yeah. Thanks so much for letting me geek out about it. I love it. Thanks for me. I'm going to rush off and listen to sort of a bumper back-to-back edition of Real Housewives. I was going to um, say, I can see you already subscribing, Martin. I know it. I just feel it. I feel it. <laughs> is is there one last thing you'd like to say? Like if, if, if you were just going to leave our audience with one observation or one insight, about podcasts, what what would you like to say? If I had to tell anyone about podcasts, I think I always kind of remember this one piece of business advice that someone gave me where the most innovative products we think of are usually the simplest solutions. I think when it comes to marketing, we are also trying to reinvent the wheel so frequently that we forget some of the oldest formats. And I mean, I'm saying 18 years is old, so you'll forgive me, but some of the older formats are not cool or exciting anymore. And I think we've all seen now that what is old can be new again. What has existed for a long time can be a really exciting place for your brand to do something exciting, to reach a new audience, to try on a new way of storytelling. So don't be afraid to go back to things that you may think have existed for a long time. That's great. I I, I think that's an inspiration for all of us (laughs) who've been around for more than 18 years. That's right. Don't forget, (laughs) don't forget to go back to people who have been around long enough to remember Blockbuster. (laughs) It's amazing to think how this relatively old format is still so relevant today. Start thinking about how podcasts could help you communicate with your audience. Thanks for listening to this podcast. And as always, stay tuned for more updates and perspectives from Patience and Purpose by following us on LinkedIn, Instagram, and other social platforms. <laughs>